Hello everyone and welcome back. I'm your host Patrick Craig and you're listening to the African Innovation Show brought to you by Africa Arena. Beautiful people and welcome to today. It is a beautiful day in Dakar and right now I'm standing in the foyer of the Radisson Sea Plaza Hotel overlooking the magnificent bay as we welcome the delegates, speakers and startups for this year's Africa Arena West African Summit. Throughout the conference over the next three days, I will be chatting to as many stakeholders as possible to share with you as much insight as we can on what exactly is happening on the ground in this exciting tech ecosystem. So be sure to check out all the micro episodes from this West African Summit series so that you can understand the many perspectives and ideas, lessons and learnings coming out of this magnificent region. First up guys, a massive thank you must go out to all of our sponsors and partners for making this West African Summit happen. To DER, La Delegation Générale, à l'Entrepreneuriat Rapide, the International Trade Center, the French Embassy in Senegal, Amazon Web Services always stepping up, Orange Ventures, and then all of our greater partner network for making this summit happen. If it wasn't for each and every single role player in this whole journey, we would not be here today. So we wanted to say a massive thank you to each and every one of them. Right, so without further ado, guys, we have a whole bunch of awesome interviews lined up for you. So let's get stuck in, shall we? Right, ladies and gents. Hello, Lynn. Hello. We're sitting with Lynn Bejan from Transcendence. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Welcome. Thanks so much for your time. Um, so just give a bit of brief, like, what do you guys get up to at Transcendence? Like, how's your role in the ecosystem in a nutshell? And I know that might be hard, but try. So Transcendence is a second, second time fun. Okay. And we concentrate on identifying and building uh, startups that make impact, but also make profit. Super cool. And I mean, you know, I think when people outside investors, specifically outside of the African continent, think, I want to go and find deal flow in Africa, mm. they traditionally probably will go look at the big four, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I'd imagine that Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, and places as such are not typically on the top of their radar. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them to change their minds or to shift that perspective? Well, the latest report on the state of investment on the continent says that Senegal and Guinea are the two only countries where foreign investment picked up last year. Wow. So in Senegal, it picked up by 29%. Wow. In Guinea, it's a number that's a bit less, but not a lot less. So I actually don't think I'm the only one to believe in this continent. Yeah. And I also believe that uh, looking at the talent I'm seeing here and looking at the way people are doing things with quality, sure. I'm quite believe that this continent is where we should be. Totally. I think, you know, the, the great thing about this continent is that because of the lack of infrastructure and all of the gaps that various governments have created and left in various countries, innovation really has stepped up here because they've been forced to. You know, African entrepreneurs have been forced to solve problems that are traditionally in maybe Western or more developed markets have been solved by government institutes or uh, private public institutes, etc. And therefore, I think the opportunity is huge, but at the same time, there's a massive impact that happens conversely. Would you say that nowadays, specifically in this ecosystem, that maximizing profits and impact is equally balanced, or is this still a hedge towards one or the other, or what's your perspective on the duality of those two? Do so, our belief is that, um, to start with, the world is just human beings, okay? So when we talk about profit, and we, we say oh, it's, it's profit is against, against the impact, 
we, we, we don't agree with that because we believe that everyone came to this world to do something. There is a higher purpose to every single one of us. Sure. And we actually, our work is to align, to identify that higher purpose and align that higher purpose with what the person is and what the person do. So that's where we, that's where we start, you see. So it's very important to, to actually think that as you're going to make an impact anyway, it is more about how you configure your actions to make your impact also profitable. Sure. So that's what we do operationally. Sure. As a female in the space, and I've asked this of all the females that I've interviewed over the last few days, is how has your journey been and what would you say to other female investors, partners, founders who are finding, who are maybe in the beginning of their journey, um, you're not as far along as you are, who are maybe finding challenges with the patriarchal world that we find ourselves in and what is the message you'd like to say to them and any kind of tips, experience shares that you'd like to pass on? So first of all, um, perhaps there's a bias there because I came from mining. Okay. And when you came from mining, wow. you're <laughs> definitely, I used to work for BHP, so you know, okay. it, it's very male-oriented. Sure. Uh, actually, as far as I'm concerned, I'm finding men in this industry very gentlemanly. And wow, that's great to hear. And I always, I always say, you know, I think we're not, we're not responsible of how people respond to us. So, you know, it's a totalic agreement, right? Yeah. I, I can understand that some people behave in a certain way because that's, that's their education. But it, in, it impacts me in no way. It doesn't change me. It doesn't impact me. And I know what I have to do. Yeah. I just do it. Yeah. You know. So I'm not trying to. Say, I'm not saying I'm going to change the world on that front because it's a cultural issue. Sure. It's an education issue that takes generations. Of course. What I do is I change the world by showing, showing myself as an example. Um, I can give an example. I was uh, working in the BHP and I was named the first female uh, freight Capeside freight manager. Wow. Um, 30, yeah. And the change it brought is the direct competitor, Rio Tinto, putting female in my place oh, nearly wow. a few months later. Wow. So I think this drag alone effect in the, in the industry is try, what I'm trying to achieve. Sure. Um, obviously, COVID's had a massive effect on everyone's businesses. Now that we're starting to emerge out of it, and I, by far I don't think it's over, has it affected the way you guys go approach around your investment strategy or seeking business? Or do you think that, have you noticed any like significant differences in, in, you know, I think what it's all done for everyone is that it's really, everyone's reevaluated what's important. Everyone's reevaluated their own values and, and you know, how much time they spend at work versus their family or, you know, uh, how to help communities. I think it's, it's definitely affected how much we help each other and, and, and especially those who are struggling and trying to, you know, keep, you know, all, take a little bit of a knock to make sure everyone can get through it together. <clears throat> can you speak to any differences that it's made in your investment strategy or just general way of working? I would say I see this as a positive impact because um, perhaps, you know, before COVID, as you mentioned, you know, or Zach mentioned earlier in a conference, you know, um, it's, everyone talks about profitability. Okay, you know, money-driven. Sure. But I think past COVID, I'm seeing more people who would actually have concerns about what they can contribute to the community. Yeah. You know, okay, let's say from, if you take it from a very basic uh, level, 
people might just think, okay, you know what? There's not a lot of money. I really need to make my product useful yeah. to uh, make it work. Yeah. You know, so that's a very basic level. Yeah. But I'm also seeing a lot of people who are having a spiritual kind of like awakening, awakening, sure. who are thinking differently and who are thinking, okay, my I had to, I need to configure my product to be more community oriented. Sure. You know, so I see this as a positive impact actually. Sure. Not, not, you know, of course, of course, the medical conditions are difficult, of but that also has actually pushed a lot of startups, medical startups to the front of the scene. For instance, I'm coaching a, a, a Malian uh, startup called, called Soto Kodoro, which actually uh, allow people to book uh, healthcare at home. Yeah. You know, so. So far, we have seen positive impact. And um, yeah, I think it's true what you say. And I think we, you know, the media and by nature, I think humans tend to attach themselves to the negative impacts of, of such a thing. And it's so great that there are positives and, you know, to your point. Are there, through this, through your journey with, with Transcendence and, and through some of the, the founders, are there any really key stories that you'd love to highlight or really amazing uh, impact stories that you maybe found or just anyone that's come out of your ecosystem that you're like, wow, this is really interesting to show as an example of, and of course I'm sure there are many, but as an example of the kinds of innovation or the kinds of thinking or the kinds of resilience that are exist in this particular market here? Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, our, our first investment here is a recycling company. Yeah. So it's a female funded, both funders are female. It's a female funded startup, which has been uh, running for five years. They make a good, a good income, I would say. And you know, the specificity about these women, they have, they're the only one here to, who can actually recycle toxic waste. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. You wouldn't think of that, you know. Yeah. So recycling toxic waste, we don't always think what it implies behind. It implies a specific logistic, it implies specific insurance. It's very expensive, it's dangerous, and it's difficult. But you know, they're not, they're not, you know, stopping up there. They're yeah, just face, pushing yeah. forth, and I like that. That's super, super cool. So, you know, and also one of the funders is not from here. She's she's French. Wow. You know, so I think when you talk about the patriarchal system, well, these are ladies that, you know, break the ceiling, just, you know, do it. No question asked. <laughs> and to maybe some of the the founders or startups that are maybe watching this particular or listening to this particular interview um, and are wanting to engage what do you guys look out for and, and what are some of the things that you'd maybe share with them or how to get get more ready to be uh, investor focused or in, investor ready or just anything you would like to say to maybe either female founders who are maybe have a little bit of fear because of that or I mean to that point they might go wow that's really cool that like these ladies are changing the narrative um, you know, what do you guys look out for when, when looking for interesting ventures to, to invest into? We're looking for people who are doing ventures that are aligned with their values. Okay. With what, what they ultimately are here to do in this lifetime. Sure. So that's really important because that gives you the resilience that's necessary to run a startup. And I would say, I would call that anti-fragile. Sure. It's not robust, it's anti-fragile. Yeah. Anti-fragile means you have insufficient flexibility to face issues no matter what. Yeah. And that's important for us. So when we talk about what investable startup is, 
of course, you have the basic structure, the basic team that needs to support what you want to do, that makes sense. Yeah. But also, beyond that, the resilience is very important. That's ultimately what, what we're looking for. If you have a resilience, you can survive and you can grow and you can scale. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think uh, if you read any of Seneca's books or Yes. Uh, resilience is, uh, is something and I think that's something that to be honest most Africans really do embody I, I think in this country no matter in this continent no matter where you go uh, by nature of the complexities of caused by government mismanagements or corruption or climate change or droughts and all the magnitude of in lack of infrastructure that you know most people Absolutely. deal with you know resilience is, is definitely up there and I think you know, a lot of uh, Western founders and, uh, and players could really learn a lot from Africans in the way they're able to adapt and just keep going. Creative. Um, they're extremely creative in problem solving. Totally. And that's not a given to everyone. Yeah. Um, your first time at Africa Arena? Or this some, is my first time at Africa Arena. How's your experience been and, and why are kind of, whether it's Africa Arena or another one, why are so, these things so important and, and what has your experience been over the last few days? I, had, I enjoyed myself fully. Uh, you know, we had we started by the unconference, which is quite interesting because we could sit down with the government, with investors, and with startups to exchange opinions and ideas about how to set up a toolbox to push forth the ecosystem. And I thought there were a lot of frank talks that was very useful to define the uh, the new ecosystem and how to get there. So. We actually also ended up the session with actionable items. That's very mm. important, mm. you know. Uh, that's very rare. Like I, I never had a conference come, you know, resulting in actionable, actionable items. So that's very important. And beyond that, I felt the uh, the topics we went through in the both days of the summit are quite interesting. And the um, I would say the advices I've heard from my peers or from the startups sure. are quite realistic, realistic as in implementable yeah. and very useful yeah. and actually necessary. Sure. You know, so I, I, I purely enjoyed myself and I'd definitely be back again. Awesome. And then just final comments for um, anyone who's listening about this particular ecosystem, why they should maybe come next year and check it out and anything you'd like to say to them? By all means, come check it out, join us. Um, this is one of, also, I, I, I didn't say that, but this is one of the conferences where I ha I've had the most fun, to be honest. Oh, that's great. So that's very important totally. because the people I met here, they're so inspiring and they're so interesting as well. You know, I, I, could, I could stay with you guys forever. This <laughs> just, it's great. Cool, we'll come so, visit in uh, Cape Town or Nairobi or Tunis, I think is the next one in September. So hopefully we'll see you then. Definitely. Thank you so much, Lynn. I really appreciate your time. Lovely Thank to you. meet you and uh, wish, you, wish you well on your journey. Thank you. Ciao. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Remember, there are many, many more from the West African summits. We've cut them into micro episodes just for you to consume in small doses whenever you have the time or the headspace. And uh, trust me, guys, there's some really, really great interviews in that series. So be sure to check them out. And if you have any questions or any queries or any suggestions, drop me an email, patrick at africarena.com. Otherwise, we'll chat to you soon. Till next time. Cheers.